Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of Atlas Information Live. We are happy that you could join us today. And uh, if this is your first time uh, watching Atlas Information, then welcome. We're glad to have you here. Today, uh, we are going to be talking about a topic which has been coming up a lot recently as we've been perusing YouTube and coming up in our YouTube feed, but also in general, there seems to be this ongoing conversation around free will and determinism. And this question of free will and the assault on free will that is being executed. It's a concerted effort. And there are many different ways in which free will is being assaulted. And of course, all you have to do is observe the media and observe many conspiracy theories and all the uh, talk of the global elite, the Great Reset, their plans for enslaving humanity under a one-world government and all of that sort of talk. But that's referring to the attack on liberty, the attack on freedom from without right, from the outside, from external forces. But today we want to focus on the corollary of that assault. So liberty is being assaulted from above, like in a top-down sort of way. But free will itself, as a, as a phenomenon, is being assaulted from the bottom up. It's being assaulted on a conceptual level, on, on a conscious level, on a mental level, and indeed on a physical level. And our perception of free will, our very belief in free will, because for most people, it really is a belief. And there is a concerted effort among intellectuals, among psychologists, neurologists, 
and all manner of secular scientists, materialists, materialist scientists who are making the rounds, it seems, and there's many books being written on the topic about how human beings don't really have free will, that free will is an illusion. That's something that we've come across um, recently. There are many books and articles and memes that you can find online all ex expressing this, this notion that free will is an illusion. That the human machine, <clears throat> as a machine, as a biological function, as a sum of biological functions, that a human being is nothing more than the sum of its parts, and that the behavior of human beings is entirely determined by the machinations underlying this, this thing that we call a human being. And it's interesting to see some of the implications of this relating to the individual's lack of ultimate lack of responsibility for their actions. Because that's one of the natural implications of this type of exploration of this type of thesis that if everything is determined if everything is deterministic then we're all essentially just at the mercy of the machinations of our human machine the machinations of our neurons in the brain the machinations of our conditioning and that none of us really have any control whatsoever over our thoughts, over our actions, and therefore you essentially eliminate all human responsibility. Now, we have to admit, uh, we have to confess that we don't watch these podcasts or, or these live streams, these videos, uh, because many of them are, you know, hours in length. We don't we don't give that time and energy to these materialists. So we don't know how deeply they go into the implications of what they're saying or not. We basically get the gist of what their thesis is and then we bow out. We, you know, we, we hit the road. We, we're not going to sit there and give hours of our life listening to materialist scientists make their case for how human beings are just essentially biomechanical robots and that's human psychology is essentially a bunch of algorithms playing themselves out and nothing more we don't we're not going to invest ourselves in them and we're not here to debunk their argument point by point line by line because we don't need to do that we know exactly why they're making the argument that they're making and will do you one better. From their point of view, and given the goal that they have, the, the job that they have, they are correct. 
The reason why their arguments related to determinism and that man is nothing but a biological machine and that our psychology is, 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 is entirely dependent upon hormones and neurotransmitters and neurons firing and the, the you know, electrochemical imbalances in the uh, <clears throat> cerebellum and in the uh, uh, cerebral cortex, et cetera, et cetera, and the nervous system and the physical body and all of the traumas that are accumulated since childhood. And it goes on and on and on and on and on. They have this long laundry list of causes that construct the entity known as the psychology of you or me or anyone and that that intellectual animal that complex hominid that complex human machine is nothing more than layer upon layer upon layer upon layer upon layer of conditioning mechanical deterministic conditioning this line of reasoning this line of argument is an assault on the very fabric of free will itself. If they can convince you that you ultimately have no free will, that everything you do is predetermined by the conditions of your childhood, the conditions of your upbringing, really by chance more than anything. then what's the point in making any decisions at all? All you have to do is go with the flow, as it were. Just do whatever feels right in the moment. Whatever uh, pops into your mind or your heart or your uh, sensations, your, your desires, Whatever craving strikes you in the moment, just, just go with it. Just run with it. There's no reason to resist anything if you have no free will. If there's no, if, if there's no such thing as free will, then it's really just a question of which, which uh, neurotransmitters and hormones and conditioning is going to win out in any given case of rock, paper, scissors playing itself out in your in your brain and in your physiology in that sense for you to accept that reality that is openly being pitched as a rational, reasonable, logical, and self-evident truism 
that you are a biological machine and all machines are deterministic. The behavior of all machines is determined by their construction and their programming. In human terms, we call that conditioning. The implications of this is that if you accept that and live your life by that and surrender to that, then you are, from that point forward, you truly are exactly what these materialist scientists, these useful idiots of the Black Lodge, are proclaiming you to be. Completely determined. Completely enslaved, completely controlled, in other words, by the machinations of nature, mechanical nature. When we, we should, we should probably, uh, we don't have the comments up, so let's pull the comments up. Uh, Azazel says, sounds like a recipe for world, worldly success. We're going to uh, share the uh, link, if anybody feels like uh, popping on. Um, the live stream today. The link is also in the chat. When we look at um, the word uh, When we look at this word, right, determine, something very interesting we can notice that the, uh, the root word of determine is deter, to deter. Now, the reason why that's interesting is because in the esoteric tradition, we have two forces. We have three forces. We have the, uh, the positive, and we have the negative, and we have... Uh, the uh, union of positive and negative. Now, the positive is also known as the uh, the holy affirming the holy affirmation. And the negative is known as the holy negation and the union of positive and negative is the uh, holy 
reconciliation. Reconciliation. Right? We should probably... Uh, Keep it, keep it consistent. So you have these, this tension between light and dark, between positive and negative. And it's the reconciliation between those two that creates the law of three, which is the creative law of the universe. But the root word of determine or determination or determinism is uh, to deter. Which is a little strange when you think about it from a linguistic point of view. To determine something is to solidify, is to, right? You, de you determine the outcome or you determine the answer. You determine the results. It's a, it's a solidification. It's a crystallization. It's a binding. It's, it's determinism. It's, it's your, 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 you're solidifying it. So what it is what do you deter via determination? See language has power, language has meaning. Right? And we used to often say that clever cliche in esotericism. That's why it's called spelling. Determinism as an aspect of crystallization, as an aspect of, of uh, bringing into form. Once something is formed, it, it cannot easily be shifted or, sh uh, or it changed. It has all sorts of laws come into apply to something which uh, once it, it enters into form. So for example, right, you, you, you can have an idea in the uh, in the cloud, it's just an idea. It's just a concept, and there can be all sorts of you know aspects floating around in this nebulous this world of of imagination. But as soon as you bring that down from the world of imagination. into the actual world of form, 
And you... You put it into the box that we call form. And this process you is in formation. Something comes into formation. Something comes into the world. It now assumes some kind of form, whatever that form may be. It could be an image. It could be words. It could be sounds. It could be shapes. It could be all sorts of things. Right? There's an infinite number of things. But once something is formed, a bird is not a turtle. A bird is a bird, a turtle is a turtle. As soon as something comes into form, whatever was happening up here, right, in the cloud of, of the nebulous, right, of all in, in, in the realm of all possibility, now all these other possibilities are negated. The only thing that is accepted and acceptable is the form. That which is determined deters everything else. Once you make a determination, this is that. This is a square. This is a square. Once you make that determination, this is a square. It can't be a circle. It can't be a triangle. It can't be anything else. The determination of what it is negates all other possibility. On the tree of life, the uh, the pillars of Jacqueline and Boaz, the pillars of masculine and feminine, of holy affirmation and holy negation, on the tree of life. These are the pillars of Jacqueline and Boaz. We have the R and the L there for the right and the left. Determinism is by definition because it, it prevents free will. It prevents the freedom of the right-hand path, and it prevents the, 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 the freedom, the creativity, which happens from the union of Jacqueline and Boaz, which is the third pillar, the pillar of light in the middle.
So determinism is squarely here. So related to determinism, you have materialism. And you have all mechanicity. Mechanicity. And why is that? Because when you look at a machine, we talked about a little bit at the beginning, when you look at a machine or any type of uh, aspect of mechanical nature, you're talking about the world of, right, as we said, you're you're talking about the world of form and the world of function on a mechanical level of cause and effect but it's mechanical All of this, this is mechanical cause and effect. This is so, we, we, it's automatic. It's re, um, reflexive. It's reactionary, right? For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction, but it's reflexive. It's automatic. There's no, there's no free will in that. These are all expressions of cause and effect, and there's all ex expressions of that, but under this banner of determinism, which me, which is to deter the negating force. Because we always have to comprehend that in the crystallization, in the formation, in the definition okay, as we define Which is another because definition is another is an um, a synonym for determinism or determination. To define means to determine. But again, look at the language. To define. There's another word that's very similar to define. To defile. D meaning to un or undo or actually to deter because to un something, to uncouple, to de, to remove, to negate. That's the prefix of D. And fine. As well, fine. 
the finery, but fine meaning the end, the be all and the end all, the two ends, the alpha and the omega. But to defile from uh, file from uh, which is the root word of philosophy, philis, philis, uh, which is uh, truth, knowledge. To defile is to uh, like commit a sacrilege, to like deface uh, an image of God, or to defile a temple. It's to reduce its 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 holiness, its divinity. To defile it, it's to, to to bring it down, to make it crass, to make it to make it um, crude. All of this, you see, this, this search, this quest to nail things down as materialist science does, as the intellect wants to do, wants to nail things down with an exacting precision. There's this obsession in determinism for uh, precision and and uh, accuracy. And we've talked about this before when we look at expensive watches or the the uh, worship of technology and machinery. The um, the internal combustion engine and and these engineers and mechanics who are able to squeeze out 300 400 500 horsepower now from a 2 liter four cylinder engine because because they've squeezed every little bit of efficiency out of the machine It's about the search for perfection in, in material form, in this, all of this comes back to and relates to this word determine and determinism. But it's all, it's all a part of the left-hand path. This is all mechanical nature. This is all materialism, the world of form. The world of cause and effect is an automatic reactive phenomenon. It is all a deterrence. It is all part of the obstacle, what is baffling in life, the obstacles that we face, what blocks us, what prevents us, what stands in our way of true creativity, of true freedom, of true liberty, which seeks to transcend the world of form, of mechanicity, 
of automatic reactive cause and effect. It seeks to transcend determinism. Because its nature is divinity, is creation. It's free will. The, the freedom to be and do and create with um, and express in an infinite number of forms. So there are there are phenomena which cannot be determined. They can be expressed, but but not deterred and not determined. And we'll get into those in a minute. But first, we have a couple comments here. Benjamin Raphael says, um, what you were saying reminds me of the words from the movie Lucy. And he continues here. Humans consider themselves unique, so they've rooted their whole theory of existence on their uniqueness. One is their unit of measure, but it's not. All social systems we've put into place are a mere sketch. One plus one equals two. That's all we've learned. But one plus one has never equaled two. There are, in fact, no numbers and no letters. We've codified our existence to bring it down to human size to make it comprehensible. We've created a scale so that we can forget it's unfathomable. This is the um, the mind, unfortunately. Yeah, so they, they allow, it's unfathomable scale. So we've created a scale so that uh, we can forget it's unfathomable and unfathomable scale. That's the whole quote. This, um, there's nothing wrong inherently with discovering the timeless universal truths expressing themselves in the world of form. Where we get into trouble, when we get into problems, is when the rational mind, the ego mind, becomes identified and attached to those forms and starts believing, convincing itself, and convincing us that that, that world of form is the be-all and end-all. And that, of course, is what materialist science seeks to do. But it's also what economics 
And it's also what they're just what the rational mind wants to do because the rational mind wants to nail it down. It wants to get the answer, nail it down because when you nail something down, you've secured it. And when you've secured it, then you can you can be comfortable and secure in knowing that you've nailed this thing down. You've nailed it down. You've got the answer. Okay, now I can move on to other things. I've got this thing covered. But take a moment to consider all of the phenomenon which can't be nailed down in that way. And that there is no materialist science, there is no language, there's no words, there is no philosophy that's all-encompassing and nails down something like love. And that there's this beautiful scene from The Last Samurai where uh, Kats Katsuruga, I think, Katsuruga, the samurai, is spends, he says, you can spend an entire life searching for the perfect cherry blossom and never find it. And then it's only under the end of the it's only at the end of the movie that he has a, an epiphany. And there's this dramatic moment. He looks up and he realizes, oh, they're all perfect. And he has that moment of awakening, that that enlightenment, that that epiphany, eureka moment where he discovers that they're all perfect. Whereas before, he said, you can spend a, an entire lifetime searching for the perfect cherry blossom, never find it, and it would not be a wasted life. But in the final analysis, in this final moments, he awakens and realizes that the reason why it wasn't a waste is because they were all perfect. They were all perfect. They were all different. You see, the rational mind can't make heads or tails of that epiphany. How could they all be perfect? They're all different. Because to the rational mind, perfection needs to be nailed down. It needs to be defined for something to be perfect. And that's the irony. It cannot be perfect if it's defined. Because if it's defined, as we showed in the language, if it's defined, then, then it has been defiled. If it's defined, then it's defiled. How can it be perfect? Because surely that which is perfect, surely that is, surely it must be fine. And surely the, the, the perfection, what defines its perfection, surely it has to be true. It has to, it has to be the truth. Right? This is the philos, 
which is comes from which is what is removed when something is defiled it's made false but perfection depends upon these attributes and so we have this paradox this 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 paradox between these two concepts of how do you define something as perfect because as soon as you define it as perfect it ceases its perfection is lost its perfection is gone if you try to nail it down if you try to flesh out all the details now if you ever heard that expression the devil is in the details So the epiphany that Katsuruga realizes at the end of Last Samurai, when he says, oh, he realizes that all the cherry blossoms are perfect, is because they are all born of the same perfect underlying archetype. They're all born of the same archetype, the same truth. The fundamental truth of cherry blossomness They are all expressions of that fundamental universal perfection. So the, the perfection is not to be found in their physical structure and the physical shape and all of the physical details. No, the devil is in the details. Because those details only emerge once the timeless universal truth comes into form. And the form locks down and defines those details as part of the expression. But when you focus on those details in the quest for truth and the quest for beauty and the quest for for perfection you get lost in the details you get caught up in the details we've often said if the devil is in the details don't give the devil his due we are as we speak in the process of editing a book it's you know 400 pages it's plenty of details and as we find ourselves reviewing and reviewing and reviewing very often we'll we'll be you know we'll be reviewing the editor's changes and approving them and and whatnot and then we'll come across a sentence a phrase a passage and we'll say hmm is that really the best way I could have expressed that? And sometimes, no, sometimes we do have a better way of expressing it. And we do, we do change the expression and it's better for it. But one must be very cautious 
in that editing process that one doesn't fall into the trap of changing for the sake of change. Where one is just robbing Peter to pay Paul and swapping these details for those details. Right? The, the fundamental essence of the, of the expression hasn't changed. We've just changed some words around to make we made it sound different it's not necessarily better it's certainly not accomplishing the task of conveying information any better or worse it's just different and if someone is trapped in the mind trapped in the rational mind one can get caught in this hamster wheel and just keep going of navel gazing and going around and around and around and around, caught in the details, literally in this, in this, uh, on this treadmill of changing things for the sake of changing, for editing for the sake of editing. Because there's an infinite number of ways you can say the same bloody thing. So at some point, you just have to say, you know what? It's good enough. <laughs> It's not going to get any better. And it's certainly, you're never going to achieve perfection in a statement. There's no such thing. That's like asking how long is a piece of string, if you know that expression. Because it can, a, piece, a piece of string can go on forever. And in the same way, you can, you can edit uh, a passage or a, or a chapter or a paragraph or a sentence or a whole book, you can spend the rest of your life editing that one thing. And you'll never get anywhere with it because you're just constantly going to be changing and changing and changing and changing it because you're so caught up in the details. You're so worried about the details. Because the devil's in the details. And it's that worry and that concern, that obsession with detail that is another aspect of being determined. Again, it's because you're determined to reach perfection in the world of form. But that's not where perfection lies. To, to, you cannot determine, you cannot, it, it's the, it, the act of seeking perfection in form is an act of deterrence. It is a deterrence of perfection. Because perfection can only exist in the unformed essence of forms. It is the essence which can achieve perfection. Benjamin Ochoa says, if in Satanism it speaks we should search for undefined wisdom, when in fact some of Satanism is defined wisdom, what could it be referring to then? 
Oh, sorry. If in Satanism it speaks, we should search for undefiled wisdom. When in fact, some of Satanism is defiled wisdom, what could it be referring? Okay. Um, we are not we are not members of any satanic cult or satanic lodge or anything of that nature. So if it is true that in Satanism they say we should speak, we should search for defiled wisdom, it is most likely what they mean by that is uh, by undefiled wisdom is wisdom which is undefiled by God and undefiled by the White Lodge, undefiled by free will. You see, you have to, if, if this is a true statement, and we have no reason to believe it, it isn't, or no reason not to believe it is, no reason to doubt it, because on the left-hand path, they believe that they are in the right, and that the White Lodge, are, to them, angels are demons. You see, to them, all of what we wrote here on, um, on this side, right, all of this, this is their religion, okay? Th this to them is what is what is holy to be able to so you have to um, look at it from the point of view of um, your rational mind the rational or the materialist scientists to them the answer and nailing down the answer and getting the definition, like they're obsessed with definitions. They're obsessed with the, and definitions and redef redefining language and changing definitions to suit their needs because their religion is control. The religion is determinism. It's mechanicity. And so they want to control outcomes. And you control outcomes by controlling language. By controlling definitions. By, through an act of determinism. And so anything that represents a wild card. Anything that presents true, genuine creativity that to uh, the forces of mechanicity that's something that's out of their control and that's something that is uh, is an anathema to all that they consider holy and pure because to them so another way to think about this from their point of view is for them all of this is purity 
And we shared that quote from Alien when Ash, the android, is talking about the xenomorph. And he says, I admire its purity and its ruthlessness, unclouded by conscience. Because that's another very interesting application of words. If all of this, okay, if all of this, the religion, what's what's uh, holy, and what um, the religion of purity, and we can also say it's the religion of science. then to them, what is defiled wisdom, if science is wisdom, and there's, there's a purity to empiricism, okay? Empirical purity. Now think about the, the, uh, the root word of empirical and empiricism. It's empire. And that em that word, empire, right? It, it's, it means to rule. Or to rule over. In other words, the rules. Now over on the other side, when we're talking about creativity and uh and perfection and truth and 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 you know philosophy we have gnosis and we know that the foundation or the application of all of that the word we use is con science Here, their religion is science. On the path of Gnosis, of the White Lodge, of God, of truth, of light, of love, of philosophy, of all things fine, in other words, all things beautiful, beatified. Beatified means to the glory of God, risen to the glory of God. An expression of God's glory. That's what beauty is. Uh, sorry, I forgot the U in there. Beauty. There it is. So we have conscience. In other words, consciousness. But to the left-hand path, to egos, to to uh, demons, to mechanical nature, to the more dense levels of reality, who seek to crystallize and and put into form and and 
and and hold for eternity in the world of form in the world of science in the world of rules empire they want to uh uh be like the emperor over creation nail everything down define everything everything has to come into it fall into a a a, a knowable structure knowable logical rational structure there must be reasons for everything and yet to that so to them the conscience that says no it does, you don't need a reason you just know and the rational mind is going crazy saying why why do you do it this way why why can't i do this and it says because and the conscience says because it's wrong and the rational mind but why but why tell me why i need a reason why i need to reason i need to rationalize And the conscience just says, because, Actually, you know what, we should, yeah, the rational mind just says, because, be, cause, be cause when you be the cause remember to be or not to be that is the question if you are the cause then you are a creator of effects but not only that you are the creator of perfection of beauty, of truth, of philosophy. Because you are all of these things. Which are con-science. Because science is none of these things. Science is none of these things. Science is neither beautiful, nor is it per perfect, nor is it philosophical, nor is it true. Because it's all dependent on rationalization. And what's rationalization? To ration means to divide something into smaller and smaller parts. Right? You ration, you break apart, you separate. Rationalization is just a euphemism for separation. And conscious, consciousness. The path is all about union. Yug in Sanskrit, relegare. 
in Latin. These are the root words of yoga and religion. Let's get to some uh, comments here. Azazel says, most of those who make such claims have it all backwards in seeing the defiled as undefiled. It drives them nuts. It, it drives them to them. Uh, again, the, 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 the unlimited potential, the freedom See, freedom to them is an anathema. It's a sin. It's it's freedom to to the Black Lodge is the great unknown and the the great um, shadow to be feared. Because in the in freedom comes instability, comes unpredictability and the black lodge hates all that they want to know how things are going to go they want to control how things unfold and so they um they 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 despise free will and freedom because the only will that they're concerned about is their own. And they, and they want to, the forces of determinism, one of the ways in which you can determine the outcome is by, so if you take this word, uh, we say ill will, versus will, the will of God, right? God's will. So when it comes to the left-hand path of determinism, what they want to do with will, I should probably put this back on the screen here, is they want to impose their will on others and on the world they impose their will and so to impose their will they seek positions of power over the masses but in the process of doing that you have this constant struggle this power struggle and why tyrants are constantly being deposed. Why? You depose the guy in power. Why? So now you can impose your will because the guy before you was imposing his will. But you want to depo depose him 
so you can impose your will. This whole word, pose, all relates to where you are in the hierarchy. In other words, your position in the hierarchy. Are you at the top? Are you at the bottom? Are you in the middle somewhere? And why everybody is concerned in this world about their position. What's your status in life? What's your position in life? What's your position in the company? Are you a middle manager? Are you a upper management? Are you at the executive level? Are you on the board of directors? Are you the CEO? What's your position? And everybody's concerned about being in a position of power because that's what egos are concerned about. This game of thrones that's happening in our everybody's psyche as one ego deposes another. So one minute you want the slice of cheesecake and then the second you have the slice of cheesecake Another ego comes and deposes gluttony, and maybe it's deposed by pride, vanity, and says, oh my God, I can't believe I ate that slice of cheesecake. Now I'm not going to look good on the beach this summer, because I'm going to gain five pounds because I ate this, this slice of cheesecake. And there's this constant churning and positioning and depositioning, jockeying for position, like, like a uh, apes, uh, chimpanzees, uh, chimpanzees in a in a troop, or wolves in a pack, or lions in a pride. They're trying to reach and put themselves in the best possible position to do what? To execute their mechanical programming. That is mechanical nature. That's the law of nature, the law of the jungle. But you see, God's will is never imposed. It's not an imposition. Because God's will comes with free will. Meaning, God's will is always a, uh, a suggestion. It's a uh, or it's a um, uh, a petition. You could say it's an impulse. You can also um, experience it as a as a sort of a gentle nudging. Or an encouragement. Now, encouragement is probably, of all of these words, impulse 
is good, but people can... Gurdjieff called it the being impulse. But the problem with impulse is that people who are very uh, primal and instinctive, we say that they're very they're very impulsive or compulsive. So impulse is a problematic word for that reason. Um, nudging, yeah, it's more suggestion. Petition is more like being asked. Your innermost being doesn't ask you to do stuff. Right? So it's not really fair to call it a, 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 a petition. Suggestion, it's like, ah, a suggestion is a ah, mild, you know, maybe you could do this, maybe you should, maybe you shouldn't. Like suggestion is kind of soft and wishy-washy. It's not, it's not um, uh, firm enough. It's not affirming enough, right? Because remember, we want to not never keep in mind that one of the things that we're talking about here is in the two pillars is uh, affirmation, and uh, and again, oh yeah, these are this is really small now. So this, remember, it's um, the holy affirmation and the holy negation. So. So nudging and suggesting and petitioning and all that stuff, that's, it's kind of, uh, you know, weak in that sense. Oh, hang on a second. So let's take this word encouragement. N courage meant. Now, many times on this pod uh, live stream, we've talked about the nature of control. And you know, here when we're talking about position and positions of power and determinism as it relates to controlling outcomes and nailing things down and settling things. So maintaining control, maintaining order. And how all of that relates to fear. Because control, the desire for control, okay, the desire for order, to make order out of chaos, and order everything, that's all, all of this is fear. So because of fear, we have, we end up with imposing the will of the lower self, of the mechanical, of our mechanical nature, of all of our egos and everything else, because fear wants to be secure. Right? And to secure means to protect and 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 like when you secure when you batten down the hatches on a ship because the storm is coming 
A storm is coming, so you have to secure the deck. You batten down the hatches. You tie things down. You nail things down so it won't be swept away by the storm. That's all primal animal survival instinct. That's the survival of the of the uh, being in, in, in the world of form. That's all fear. And so you impose your will on the world of form and, and others in that world of, uh, in that world of form. But God, God's will, our innermost being, our higher self, our divine mother, encourages us. We are encouraged to act on God's will. In courage. Because it takes courage to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. To be. Why? Because. To be the cause. It just is what it is. Whereas out of fear, the mind, the rational mind, wants an answer and the rationale and the reason that it can nail down, that it can pin down. But the conscience just says, because. But why do you love her? Why are you in love with her? It's like, what do you mean, why? Because I am. Because I am. Because it is. Because I am. Because it is. Encourage. Because the holy name of God is I am that uh, I am that I am. It is what it is. I am that I am. That's the holy name of God. And that's why in our conscience, things are really simple. Things are really basic and elemental and essential. Essential because we're dealing with the essence. 
the essence of reality. And the essence of reality comes back to these words up here. Truth, beauty, joy, peace, love. All of these concepts that none of them can be nailed down. These are dirty concepts from the perspective of a, of a materialist, from the perspective of a mechanical nature, of, of, of the left-hand path, of a demon. Because they're messy. Love is messy. They're unpredictable. They, they do not, they lack the purity and the predictability and the order of empiricism, of the solidity of the world of form, where you nail things down, where you batten down the hatches, where you control the outcomes. There's a purity to that. We keep coming back to this example of uh, the uh, elite's uh, obsession with wristwatches and timepieces, handcrafted timepieces from Switzerland. And they're obsessed with the jeweled movements and everything because of the precision, but it's all, it's all mechanical cause and effect. It's all determinism. It's, it's, it's like little miniaturized, little miniaturized altars of determinism. We got off on a... Uh... Okay, as Azil also says, a, uh, a friend of mine once said, a Satanist can be narrowed down as a confused Christian. Not sure what they were trying to say with that, or I'm not sure if that's true. You might need to embellish that, but we certainly don't see it that way. Benjamin says, yeah, I was assuming the same, but it's always nice to see how it applies when in doubt. And Benjamin Nacho also says, that's the point of the Black Lodge. We're supposed to hold... Uh, that, that is the point of the Black Lodge. We're supposed to hold water, but it's there to see our cup overflows. We, we're supposed to hold water, but it's there to see our cup overflow? Not sure exactly what you're trying to say with this comment, Benjamin, but we'll uh, we'll take your word for it. You're tr I, there's the expression when your cup runneth over. So it's there to hold water, so it's there to trap us inside the cup. But by doing by trying to trap us inside that cup, that's how our water flows over the cup. 
So our, our cup overflows. The more you try to, the more you try to uh, enslave free will, if the person connects with their conscience, then they will overcome whatever that enslavement is. And in the process of overcoming that enslavement, their cup will, will runneth will runneth over because they will have access to infinite knowledge and energy. Because that's really the point, right? Uh, the reason why the mountain is there is to make us a master mountaineer. But the only way we can become a master mountaineer is by conquering the mountain. But if the mountain wasn't there, there would be nothing to conquer. And therefore, we could never become a master. That's how we are reading your comment, Benjamin. You'll have to correct us if you think that we got it wrong. And uh, as Azil says, uh, he said so because they cannot defile that which cannot be defiled. So it was a joke by using the word confused as an understatement. Okay, so that is taken 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 in that context. We see where you're coming from, or you see where you see where your friend was coming from. Taken in that context, but taken taken out of context makes no sense. <laughs> Um, and Benjamin says, yes, correct. Yeah, that's what, that's what he meant. Okay. So, and of course, you know, in our, in our diagram, in our usual chicken scratch, we have this big picture now that's, um, that's, we keep making it smaller and smaller and smaller. I imagine it's becoming harder and harder to uh, to read. the The whole point of this is that it is in the interplay. It is in the the relationship between these two aspects that the creation of ourself takes place as a uh, benjamin was pointing out about the uh the cup that tries to hold the water eventually sees our cup runneth over and we break free of the limits of the cup but you can't break free of the limits of the cup if there is no cup to deter you from flowing in the first place. Your cup cannot runneth over if there is no cup to deter you from flowing. And this is what we've said before about life is baffling. And what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And so the force of determinism, the forces of determinism, the mechanical forces of nature that are trying to uh, determine through, so we're just going to say deter, through conditioning, they interact.
with being. Let's, uh, oops. So you have the human condition is a function of these forces of mechanical forces of determinants, of determinism, trying to condition us. No, we had it right the first time, didn't we? No, here. And the word that belongs underneath it is uh Oops. So the forces of mechanical nature, our mechanical nature, and the forces of our divine nature, these two, these two opposing forces of determinism uh, and conditioning versus being and encouraging. Now, if you look at that and say, well, you know, this is why, this is why it is said in the Bible that the path is easy and the gate is wide into hell. The path is easy and the gate is wide into hell. Whereas the path is hard and the gate is narrow. Into heaven. And it says in the Bible that the path is easy and the gate is wide into hell. And there are many who take it. But the path is narrow, the path is difficult, and the gate narrow into heaven, and there are few who take it. Because if you put on the balance scale, and just from your own experience, uh, 
If you just go with your own experience, you know how uh, forceful, how convincing, how easy it is to follow right a habit or a vice. How easy it is to to uh, to to sin. In other words, how easy it is to follow egos, desire, cravings, and aversion. This is all precipitous in us. Why? Because of determinism. Because of because mechanical nature, conditioning and determinism, it's all about imposition. Because conditioning, it's all about what is imposed on us. Whereas conscience, doesn't impose we're not conditioned by the being we are encouraged we are guided as opposed to an imposition and an encouraging or sorry and as opposed to an imposition and a conditioning we receive guidance and and encouraging encouragement but as you know to receive guidance is one thing to follow it is something else but following your desires it takes no effort to follow desires you fall into desire you fall into you you know that that expression People trying to quit uh, alcohol or quit smoking or drugs or anything. And they, they, they have a moment of weakness. It, they, they are set to fall off the wagon. Because it's easy to fall off the wagon. It's very hard to get back up on the horse. But it's very easy to fall off the wagon. And this is why Master Samael talked about the requirement of having super efforts on the spiritual path, on the path of following our divine nature of our innermost being, of, of the guidance and encouragement. Because of fear, we want to feel secure. We want to have everything in, we want to be in control of our lives. We want to have everything nicely laid out and predictable. But what's nicely laid out and predictable is not divine, and it's not it's not what we are here to experience. 
It's not what we're here to know. What we are as a mortal vessel. What we are is here to express. And we are here to express and experience. Express and experience what? Surely, it's what we were talking about over here on this side. Perfection, love, beauty, joy, peace, truth. And why? Because. Because. And because when we are aligned, when we are being to be or not to be, because all of this, because the word deter, what are we deterring? We said it over here at the beginning. What are we deterring? Now, I guess we didn't say it over there. So we're saying it here. What are we determining? If the difference is between determinism and being, what are we deterring if not our being? So all of this, this mechanical nature and everything about it, all of this is not being. And this is being. To be or not to be. And to deter us from being, the result is not being. But really, the, the, the people pushing this philosophy of determinism and using rational um, materialistic science as their, uh, their rationale for pointing out how there can be no free will and that we're all just machines and this and that and the other thing, they are trying to erase the very notion, the very idea, the very concept of free will. Now, there's something very interesting. There's something very interesting that uh, we want to point out in all of this. But first, there's some more comments. So let's get the comments out of the way. Uh, no, there aren't any more comments. Okay, we, we, we covered all the comments. So... We want to show you, if we may, somewhere here, we have a graphic. So let's pull this up on the screen. Is that too small? Can you guys read that? It seems awfully small. What if I made it even bigger? Hopefully you can make that out. Maybe you can't. 
here we have free will versus determinism, right? And it's interesting because on this side, free will is on the left. And it says, I am in control of my thoughts. This is me, this is mine, and this is myself. This is how this meme, the person, the people who made this meme, philosophically and whatever, this is what what the, the, the question of free will versus determinism used to be. Because on the other side, determinism, it says karma or God is in control of me. And this is all my karma or, or God's will, God's wish. We find this absolutely hilarious that in the past, the tables were turned and people who are arguing determinism were arguing that, that we're not in control of our lives because everything is karma or everything is God's will and that free will was in the camp of the ego, of the false self, saying, no, 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 I do whatever I want. And then, and then ironically, or perhaps not ironically, there's a third way here, which they say awakening is to be between free will and determinism. And they say, I am mindful of the thoughts. And it says, this is the non-self. That somehow the non-self, <laughs> which, is, which is really being, uh, like we, we find this absolutely mind-bogglingly ironic and hilarious that 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 the argument of of free will and determinism can be presented this way that free will is the domain of the ego of the self and determinism is is religion and philosophy and divinity and imposing god's will on you from above but to be awake is to just simply be mindful of your thoughts and be mindful of everything else, and then embracing the non-self. And you see, this is some pseudo-spiritual nonsense because clearly this is bunk. It's especially, it is especially uh, disastrously incorrect when you, when you see it in the light of everything that we've just gone through of everything that we've just described related to determinism and being because free will free will okay is here it's it's <laughs> right free will is right it's 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 this is free will to be or uh or not to be that is the question that is the question. To be or not to be, that is the question. And at any given point in time, in any given moment, we have the free will to choose to be or not to be. 
Uh, with regard to this, uh, this graphic we showed you, this nonsensical, exactly topsy-turvy, upside-down worldview, uh, Benjamin laughs out loud, and uh, Azazel says, that's a dangerous notion to live by. Well, of course it is, because it's, it's literally turning everything we've done upside down on its head, and it's saying, no, no, your being and divinity and everything else, that's determinism. And you want to be on the other side, which is free willed to do whatever it is you want to do. Your thoughts, your beliefs, your everything, which is all the rational mind, the mechanical, your all mechanical nature. But this is how clever and how insidious the ego is. That it can, it can, it can do stuff like this. It can, uh, it will, um. Where are we? It will make a uh... Well, I should really move it over here. So in light of the facts, in light of the experiential knowledge that we all have, because nothing that we've shared with you here should be revolutionary or revelatory, really, because all of this is just, you know, you, you all know this. You all know this from your own experience. If you have been mindful, if you are mindful, we don't know how anybody could could miss this but you see this argument didn't work for them this argument didn't work for them the one here in the in the drawing in the mean so now they're taking a different approach and now they're doubling down on now what they're trying to do is uh, what they're trying to do is just oh maybe we're yeah basically erase all of all of uh, now why didn't it draw that surely you were gonna huh. Surely, if I... Oh, okay, that's why. Right? They want to erase all this. This didn't work for them. So now they're just... They just want to focus on this and they want to erase the whole there's no such thing as free will just dispense with free will altogether if you dispense with free will altogether if if nothing exists but this mechanical conditioning stuff all of this stuff on this side the purity of science 
of empiricism, of rules, of reason, of rationale, and 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 your biology and your chemistry and and your biochemistry and your neurochemistry, then it's all determined. It's all conditioning. Then you don't really have an option. That's what they're doubling down on. Because they know they can't win this battle. So let's just make it all go away. Let's reason it all away. Let's do an assault, an attack on free will itself. And the secularists and the atheists and everything with their MRI machines and their they're so clever at showing how, oh, well, everything's determined and blah, 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 and this and that and so on and so forth. And they're they're doing their best. They really are doing their best to try to erase all sense of higher self, all sense of divinity and free will along with it. They tried the reverse tact in the past where free will was, they, they put free will on the side of of ego and they they made determinism the will of god and imposing and religion and they turned they turned a lot of people into agnostics and a lot of people into atheists um using that tact but the problem with that strategy is that atheists are one step away from becoming gnostics because as soon as you start doubting religious belief as soon as you start following your your the conscience need to know to really know then you open yourself up to experiential knowledge and when you open yourself up to experiential knowledge you 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 open yourself up to gnosis because the first step to becoming an atheist is you have to abandon all religious belief now the problem with most atheists is they just replace religious belief with scientific belief, with the belief in empiricism, with the belief in materialism, with the belief in determinism. So now it's no it should be no surprise that you have the evangelists of determinism going around preaching their gospel of determinism to the world. That you are just this biological machine and that you have no free will, and that everything is predetermined, and it's all just mechanical nature. Only they don't use the word mechanical nature. It's just your nature, and your conditioning, and so on and so forth. And they just remove all sense of higher self, and all sense of divinity, and all sense of spirituality completely out of the picture altogether. And um, it's really... A sort of act of desperation but but the reason why they have taken this tact and they've adopted this strategy is because of the millennials and uh the uh the zoomers the gen z who have been indoctrinated into the uh the neo-communist neo-marxist um a woke uh culture the woke the philosophy of the neo-marxism and the way in which they've been raised to be very irresponsible 
and um, very weak and very entitled because the religion of determinism is very attractive to anyone who does not want to take responsibility for their fate. And the woke culture is all about blaming others and it's all about assuming the victim mentality and taking zero responsibility for your life and zero responsibility for the outcomes that happen in your life. So if you layer determinism on top of that, number one, it's another mechanical uh, uh, philosophy, just like communism and Marxism is completely mechanical. But now you've layered on this other philosophy that you're not really responsible for your actions. And that's music to the ears of someone who was raised in a way where uh, where they feel entitled and, and, and they expect everything to be given to them. And if anything goes wrong in their life, the first thing they do is on, in a uh, sort of weak sort of narcissistic way, they, they search for the scapegoats out there. All the people who are responsible for their shortcomings and for their, uh, the, uh, the negative outcomes in their life. So now some of these atheists come along and start talking about determinism and say, oh, well, if you're having a, you know, lousy thoughts and you have anxiety and you have depression and you have all these things, well, it's because of how you were brought up. It was because you were traumatized as a child or because you suffer thousands of micro traumas uh, all the time or, you know, you're, you're a victim of, um, of violent speech or all these other like nonsensical scapegoat excuses that they can come up with to say all oh, this all of these things were imposed on you and therefore all of these things are acting through you and conditioning you and um and uh causing you to be this way to feel this way to act this way to say these things and to 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 be who you are and uh as a result of all of that um there's we can imagine a very large contingent of uh, individuals, you know, falling for this determinism, this religion of determinism. But can we, what can we glean from all of this? Like what can, how can this, what can we learn from it? And how can we apply this knowledge, knowing everything that we've shared, you know, everything that we scribbled out here, and we're going to delete this uh, block here, everything that we've sort of mapped out here, sketched out here in this big chicken scratch whiteboard like we usually do. What, what's the takeaway? What, what do, what do we as individual seekers on the path, what can we glean from this? What do we learn from all of this? One thing, you feel free to uh, make comments or, you know, with, in relation to the answering, answering that question. But 
<clears throat> for us anyway, the big takeaway or the the learning for us in a um, in have, in going through this exercise really comes back to having the capacity to uh, better recognize what what the being does and does not do. In other words, Sometimes it can be difficult knowing our uh, divine nature. It can be difficult knowing the will of the being. And therefore, if, it's, if we don't know the will of our being, it's difficult for us to truly enact free will because we don't have the knowledge. We don't know what to do or if we don't know the difference between our mechanical nature and our divine nature, we don't know what's the will of the being or the will of our egos. So, in knowing that, in, in comprehending the nature of the difference in being conditioned, in being coerced, incited, um, you know, the, the equivalent of like blackmail, that's coercion, right? So uh, tricked and all of these other tricks and tactics and, and schemes that the egos will do to impose their will on us, knowing that and how the mind chatters away and tries to convince us of certain things versus the still soft voice and the intuition which guides and which shows. It doesn't force, it doesn't coerce, it doesn't cajole. It doesn't flatter. It doesn't convince. It doesn't reason. It doesn't rationalize. If we ask our conscience why we should do something, we usually get a simple answer, because. Because it's right. If we try to reason away, why am I, why am I so in love with this woman? You can spend the rest of your life trying to come up with the answer. You won't come up with one. You just are. You just are in love with them. You just do love them. You don't need a reason. You just need the truth. You just need to be. You just need to sit with that love, that state, to be in that state of love. You just need to be love. 
You just need to be. Why? Because. Be the cause. Because if you are not doing things just because, then you are doing things because things have been are are being done to you. If you are not being the cause, then you are being an effect. You can't be an effect. An effect is subjective, is subjected to its cause, its prerequisite causes. You see, a cause can be an effect cannot be an effect has to be caused this is where all of this is heading to help flesh out and help uh, create a more voluptuous capacity for discernment Because the great law of cause and effect, if we want to, you know, get down to brass tacks here, on this side, we're dealing with effects. And on this side, we're dealing with the cause. And if we go all the way back to the beginning of today and determination and determining and remember we were talking about bringing into the world all of these ideas this this from the cloud this is the cause. And once you bring it into the world, this is the cause. These are the causes. But well, let's just say cause. Okay? And once you bring it down into the world, into, into the form, images, words, sounds, shapes, and an infinite number of form, these are the effects. These uh, all of these sins, habits, egos, desires, okay? These are all effects. But effects can become their own causes because they can chain and then they can, right? They can. And they feed back onto themselves, and it's a it's a feedback loop. So a habit, it's a habit because it's 
it was formed, it was conditioned, it has it, it had its causes. You caused that habit to form through your actions. Every ego that we have, we created it through our actions. We were the cause. Everything on the right hand, uh, the left hand side here, we are the cause of our own hell. Everything that is trying to impose its will on us, we created. We are the cause of all of that conditioning. So all of those effects we caused through our past errors, through our past vices. That's karma. That's cause and effect. These are the effects. But effects happen. They're actions. And all actions are causes. So these effects can feed on themselves. And what happens is, but you say, yeah, okay, but the ability for an effect to become a cause, it requires the cause from over here, the forces. That cause, that's consciousness. And it's the creative force. It's the sexual force. The effects take the forces which cause and they steal them, they hijack them. So the forces which cause are made to continually feed the effects. Because remember, we cause these effects in the first place when these when the forces we cause, we made through our errors, our defects, our you know, through error, through our own mistakes, we created our egos, which then, which are in effect, they are karma. They are the manifestation of our karma. And what are they going to do? They're going to try to continue that spiral. They're going to continue to create themselves. But effects... For an effects to become a cause to create, they need these forces. The sexual, for the consciousness and the creative force. And that's what they do. They bottle up. These get bottled up inside this dynamic. Because these effects, as soon as we put some of our attention and our, our consciousness into a vice, into a sin, into a uh, desire, a little bit becomes bottled up in there. And then that effect, that ego, is going to try to steal sexual force, sexual energy again to become, to create more of itself, to replicate. And so what you end up with is this domination of this, this right, the left-hand path. 
of determinism, of imposition, of conditioning, of habit, vice, sin, ego's desire, all of it. And this is this then determines our patterns of behavior and creates for us our fate, our future, as we give into it more and more and more. And that's why the, the, uh, the high priests of determinism, of materialist science, are telling the truth. As far as they're concerned, they're, they're preaching to the converted, they're preaching to the intellectual animals, who are just biomechanical robots because their consciousness and their sexual force is all bottled up inside these effects inside these egos inside the forces of determinism and for the and for those suffering from the zombie apocalypse it's like zombies right when you when you see the 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 film uh, world war z with brad pitt or any other of those zombie uh shows or zombie movies what do you see you see the walking dead they have no free will. They have no capacity to choose. They're completely mechanical. They're completely conditioned by this hunger for human brains, if we understand correctly the zombie mythos. And why is it brains that zombies want, right? Because it's consciousness. the uh the war the battle for free will the battle the assault on free will is happening all the time inside of us but now the high priests of this religion of this cult this cult to mechanicity to determinism to control are now out there in the world on the internet and they're espousing their philosophy and they're trying to convince the world that free will is a lie and that there is nothing there is nothing on 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 in this side over here there's no perfection there's no love there's no joy there's no peace essence none of those things there's no creator there's no there's no creativity they point to chat GPT and these uh, these um, uh, AI saying, "Look, everything's derivative. Look, look, we can create AI that's that's very creative. Look at the, look at these beautiful images that this AI can make." And they're trying to they're trying to convince humanity that we're no better or no different than those AIs, uh, Midjourney and Chat GPT pumping out derivative drivel. And there's another movie called The Creator. It's directed by Gareth Edwards, who uh, directed um, uh, Rogue One. He directed that Star Wars movie, Rogue One. And uh, it's apparently a two and a half hour, or is it two hour, two and a half hour? Uh, another one of these robot movies, dystopian uh, futures where robots are uh, ai are sentient beings and it's another situation where it's a film that expects the audience to develop empathy and sympathy for robots for ai 
And this has been a running theme now for decades. If you have noticed that we as an audience have been encouraged time after time after time after time to develop feelings and compassion for uh, robots and to uh, look to them as having a capacity for uh, humanity, which they simply do not have and they simply cannot have. But the reason why we are, you know, get swept up in these narratives and these these films mostly and video games that are trying to elevate AI on a sentimental level, on an emotional level, is because AI represents a manifestation in the third dimension of of the black lodge of egos of the forces of determinism of the forces of mechanical nature ai is the ultimate in mechanicity expressing itself in in a in a form in a being and it's just it's it won't be long before ai gets merged with uh, robotics and we will be we will see we will witness walking talking ai entities wandering around walking around having experiences experiencing some kind of existence and the, the creators of these uh entities will do everything in their power to convince us that these entities have rights that these entities are beings and the more they can reduce what a human being is in the minds of humans, the more they can paint us in the same light, that we are just like those AI robots, only they're not carbon-based biological life forms, they're silicone-based robotic life forms. And we are carbon-based biological robots. They're silicon-based metal and plastic and copper robots. We are carbon-based uh, biological, fluidic, and hormonal um, uh, robots. And if they can succeed in doing that, then they can put AI and humanity on the same level. And once they do that, then they're in a position to completely take over. Because once they do that, then AI can vote, AI can have rights, like any other, like, and so it's, it's, it's the end game for the Black Lodge. But more importantly, they'll get human beings to behave like robots, get human beings to behave like determined determinist animal because that's ultimately what they want is to be able to just have their way with humanity just to be able to control humanity this is the black lodge's end game 
and this for the sake of humanity and the next humanity on this planet this cannot be allowed to take place so <clears throat> if some of the things that we're describing here if you start to see them emerging and happening in real time you know that the end is near because this humanity has a lot this planet has a lot of karma and this humanity has a lot of karma but the next humanity has to be able to have a golden age and we can't allow uh things to go too crazy we can't allow the black lodge to take over their their job is to rule during the kali yuga and their job is to weaken humanity and they're doing just that but they cannot be allowed to take over we're just not at that we're just we're just not there yet because there are planets where the humanity has completely been taken over by the black lodge a pluto is 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 cited is one of the reasons why pluto's uh, orbit is out of alignment with the rest of the planets and why in ancient greece uh, pluto was uh, the underworld pluto was was hell because it's it is hell it's a it's a it, it's a race of it's a humanity that's so dense it's in hell it doesn't the entire planet is in hell and it's so much out of alignment that it's its orbit is literally out of alignment with the rest of the planets so it's not to say that this can't happen to us but pluto is completely mechanistic completely mechanical the humanity there is oh, some somewhere in the vicinity of an ant ant like but yeah but machine like but the difference is is that ultimately even machines are just and the ai as we know them and machines as we know them yeah they're deterministic yeah it's mechanical nature but they're not nearly as sophisticated as actual mechanical nature i mean look at egos and look at demons for heaven's sake like demons don't behave like robots so our ai our robots our our idea of mechanical nature our expressions of mechanical nature are very 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 primitive they don't reflect what happens when mechanical entities awaken and that's something that an ai cannot do or certain machine that we create cannot do but a demon can do a black magician can can awaken like we can any one of us can awaken as a demon or a black magician and then you you get something entirely different in, compos in, in composition and one way to to look at this is to observe um for example the film american psycho where uh, which was in many ways a satire 
but the psychopath has no empathy. The psychopath has no conscience. It's in, he's, the psychopath is incapable of empathizing. He's very machine-like in that way, in that sense. But a psychopath is, it might be machine-like in many ways, but it's, it's no machine. It's very, very, has all sorts of likes and dislikes and tastes, and it has personality. It has character. The psychopath does. Or the sociopathic narcissist or whatever you want, right? People who are completely wholly self-absorbed and narcissistic. And they can be psychopathic and have no empathy. But they're they're being ruled by mechanical nature, but they're not, they're not like our machines. But it's just interesting how we we create this AI and there's a lot of fear around AI because some of our, uh, our, um, our, our more, more popular science fiction uh, mythologies were surrounding what would happen if AI uh, and humanity got into a war with one another. And we can talk about the Terminator, we can get into the Matrix, we can get into uh, Dune which had the um, those wars, those, which can't remember the name of the wars, but where humanity outlawed AI because the machines tried to take over. Um, but we have also had just as many movies where robots have been uh, glorified or at least humanized. And you have um, movies like iRobot, which was... Um, Originally written by uh, Isaac Asimov, the uh, book anyway was written by Isaac Asimov. Or you have even movies like Chappie, or even going all the way back to the 1980s, there was a movie called Short Circuit. I don't know if you remember that one. Or Number Five is Alive. That was the uh, and even Wall-E, right? The Pixar film Wall-E, where all the robots are humanized and. And they're, in fact, in many ways, they're even more human than the humans because the humans on that starship are all so obese and lazy. Everybody's floating around in hover chairs. And it's the, uh, and it's the, the robots who save the day, essentially. Now, there's also an evil robot, right? The evil AI, the, um, the autopilot, right, or auto captain, or whatever you know, the uh, the equivalent of HAL nine thousand on the uh, in Wally. That's what they're they were spoofing there. But um, but there's another example of HAL nine thousand in two thousand and one. But there's an example of a perfect benevolent AI that goes bad. It's the same thing that happens to uh, Jarvis in um, Avengers Ultron where Tony Stark's ego gets in the way and he fiddles with the Tesseract and which is 4D energy, right? And so, and Jarvis is turned into Ultron and the Iron Man suit becomes Ultron, which is uh, 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 Tony Stark's nemesis. So this, this conceit of humanity battling the forces of mechanical nature as AI, as, as robots, has, 
This has been explored in many, 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 many different ways. And sometimes it's AI is shown in a negative light, but sometimes it's shown in a positive light where these robots are even more human than human. You have like measure of a man in, in um, the Star Trek episode, measure of man where um, the uh, scientist researching Nuni and Soon's work wants to dismantle data. And on the basis that data is a machine and that he should comply because he's, he's no different than a starship or a toaster and that he needs to be dismantled and studied so we can make more of him. And uh, if you remember the episode and data refuses because data is a being and he considers himself to be a sentient being and he feels that this is, this is a violation of his rights as a crew member and as an officer for, uh, for him to be essentially experimented on in a procedure that, that might end his existence because the, the scientist taking him apart might not be able to put him back together again. Because he, what he really wants to do is, is, uh, is study and analyze um, Data's positronic brain. So it's an interesting moral conundrum, ethical, ethical, question that comes into play there but the point is is that for decades our heartstrings have been pulled on and tugged on and we have been slowly being dehumanized on one side and and on our sentimentality and our attachment to an identification with ai and um and technology in general has been has been building up on the other side and so there's this, this is all part of the, uh, the forces of uh, mechanical nature uh, trying to control and determine an outcome which, which can be determined. And that is the annihilation, the abolition of, uh, of free will as we know it. And if, if they can get us to ignore or forget or accept that free will doesn't exist, well then guess what? When our quote freedom is taken away from us, then who's going to complain when free will doesn't exist anyway? And then all they need to do is, you know, dangle the keys and, you know, give, give everybody their, uh, their daily do dosage of Soma or whatever um, hypnotic mesmerizing entertainments or you know drugs or whatever it is to placate and keep everybody docile and in order all of that is an expression of the forces of determinism inside all of us trying to have that level of control over us and what's really important for us to recognize is that it's a downhill slide into de into uh, determinism right the road is easy and the gate is wide into hell the path is narrow or the path is difficult and the gate narrow into heaven because our innermost being doesn't impose it doesn't condition doesn't determine we are guided we are encouraged but we have the ability to ignore, the ability to choose, the ability to make the choice.
that's that is free will and that is the only free will that we have because if we are not following the will of our being we are being determined by our mechanical nature and then we really do give up our free will and that's where they're they're so clever and they're so powerful with this particular thing of attacking free will and saying it doesn't exist because they're like 95 99% correct in everything that they're saying and it's so dangerous because so many people intuitively have a response to that saying oh yeah that's true and that's simply because they're ignoring the will of their innermost being so for them it is true not sure what else we have to say about this um Does anybody have any questions or uh, any more comments? There's... Benjamin says, uh, well, the new age is saying the greys are advanced technological humans. Uh, Benjamin, the new age, people say a lot of things. And, uh, and the greys, obviously, they are an advanced humanity and they have advanced technology, but it's not our technology. And it's not technology the way we think of technology. So the new age people really don't know what they're talking about. That's in general. Mugaboo 22 says, I think separation is needed. We cannot wait for a cataclysm to save us from these rulers. You mean, um, and he follows this up. He says, I don't see the masses rebelling against the agenda but I may be wrong. So, the point of all of this today was to emphasize that this dynamic is happening inside of us. And that everything that's happening outside of us is an expression of what's happening inside of us. That ultimately, everything that's happening outside of us can't succeed if the forces of determinism, the forces of mechanical nature inside of us, don't succeed. So, the forces of determinism want to deter us from the will of the being. And so they impose their will and condition us so that we will not follow the guidance and encouragement that we receive from our true self. So that we become enslaved to the false self. And once we are enslaved by the false self, it's that much easier to be enslaved by someone outside because we're already enslaved. And in fact, any sort of scheme to enslave us outside, even if we do rebel against the agenda, 
A lot of people will rebel against the agenda, but it's divide and conquer. At that point, it doesn't matter because we're already enslaved from within. So the Black Lodge has already won. We, we go through this with some detail in our book um, that, that, that divide and conquer is the modus operandi of the, uh, of the Black Lodge. Like many times we have expressed how pride and shame are two sides of the same coin and that the ego of pride doesn't care if we love ourselves too much or we hate ourselves, just as long as we're self-obsessed. In the same way, the Black Lodge egos don't care if, if we are sheeple following into line under a one-world government or we are rebels, angry and violent, fighting against the one-world government with all of our might, just as long as we're trapped in the false self. So to put that into a perspective that we talk about in the book, we talk about conspiracy, okay? The ego, the Black Lodge, doesn't care if we, if we think, if we don't believe in conspiracy theory and we think that, for example, we went along with the Covidiacy and we got all four shots or all 10 shots or whatever and we believed the science and we believed Dr. Fauci and we did our social just uh, social distancing and we wore our mask and we were good little citizens and we did everything that we were told. Why? Because it couldn't possibly be a conspiracy. Right? We were good little sheeple and we did everything we were told that the government told us. On the other side, there was another camp that were angry and spiteful and and uh, and refused to get their shots and all this stuff and all, and, but they were all caught up in their mind. They're all caught up in their heads, and they're all caught up in anger and resentment and frustration and and so they were all in their ego. So the Black Lodge won. Black Lodge plays both sides of every every conflict. It doesn't matter if you were a sheeple being sent to slaughter. Or you're the rebels getting all angry and violent. It doesn't matter. The ego, the ego wins. The ego doesn't care which side you fall on. It's all determinism in that scenario. Only the middle path, the true middle way of free will between those two extremes where you can see the fraud for what it is, but you don't let it get to you. You don't let it anger you. You don't let it, you don't let your peace be disturbed. Because when you do, then you shift from being a cause into being an effect. From being objective to being subjective. Stuart Wilson says, I heard a wonderful quote recently that stated that we should not just question authority, we must interrogate it. To me, this is the essence of using words to stand for free will and use light to expose dark. And uh, he follows that up and says, one can and should also apply this interrogation to one's internal voices. 
So it's not a matter of just questioning, but interrogating. So what we say is we must analyze, we must know. We must observe and we must analyze in meditation. To interrogate is um, interrogation is a uh, a technique that's used to varying degrees of success, and it's a very many people have many different notions or ideas about what interrogation is and how it works and how to do it. And the thing about, if you're talking about interrogating someone outside of yourself, that's one thing. But to interrogate your internal voices uh, and expect them to reveal the truth to you. Uh, they they won't because they can't. You're incapable of it. You will only ever end up with the defiled, the defined concepts of truth the the shadowy forms of truth you'll never get at the truth through interrogation of yourself that's why meditation has to be without mind <clears throat> because we use our consciousness con science if science is analyzing things on the physical plane and using the rational mind and taking things apart and analyzing how they all work together in, in this mechanical cause and effect way. Conscience, conscience, consciousness dispenses with all of that and observes the phenomena holistically, comprehensively. You don't take it apart and dismantle it into its little parts. You don't interrogate it you don't create a a logical argument or a or a, a a series of questions that are leading you to the inevitable conclusion that you're looking for it's not deductive reasoning it's not it's none of those things it's simply observing and penetrating with your consciousness into the underlying foundations behind the behaviors, the actions, the outcomes, the cause and effect relationships of the entities behind the voices in the head. And this is a quality of consciousness, the ability to do this. So Stuart says, you know, uh, to me, interrogation of self would be analysis and meditation also. In reference to others and systems we live in, 
it would be in the form of forensic analysis. We hear what you're saying. We understand where you're coming from. But oh, and a uh, phonetic analysis also. Things like the phonetic analysis, for us anyway, come after the fact. It's a. Um, If we were to describe to you what our process was for today's live stream, it was seeing what was happening and knowing what was happening. But that knowing was a nebulous uh, just a feeling, just a an, in, an intuitive knowing. But none, absolutely none, not one iota of what we shared with you today did we formulate or think about in any capacity prior to coming on live. All of this is what some people might call a mind map, except none of this was in our mind. All of this was contained within that knowing that when we said, ah, we have to, we, we have to do a live stream about this. All we knew was that there's an assault on free will. All we saw was that all these videos were popping up in our feed with people talking about how there is no free will. And we said, we have to talk about this. Everything that we shared with you today was an unfolding, a bringing into form, an information of what that underlying truth was. And as is always the case with us, the knowing is there, and then the act of fleshing it out or bringing it into form, all of these serendipities, uh, all of these um, uh, correspondences start popping up. So all the all the all the uh, phonetic analysis and everything that we did here about the words and how, you know, um, what's the root word of determine and all this kind of stuff, and that's the left hand path and the negative and all that. Everything that we talked about for the past two and a half hours. None of it was premeditated in the in in that sense of the word. So could you looking at all of this do a reverse forensic analysis and arrive at the synthesis that we started with? Perhaps. Perhaps. But that would be a very highly intellectual process. 
and the intellect, the rational mind, is not in the business of helping us arrive at truth. We began today because, we chose this topic because, and we were the cause of everything that we shared with you. But everything that's on the screen is an effect. To reverse engineer all this into a cause, the intellect is incapable of doing that. It's just going to create another effect. All of these effects lead to more effects. That's, we don't know if we're explaining that in a way that um, is going to make sense, but meditation is not, it's not an intellectual activity and it's not an, it's not analytical. It's not forensic in, in the, in the sense that we, we think of. Consciousness is a much more subtle but more penetrative uh, faculty. So a forensic analysis is very empirical in nature. Meditation is not that. We recall a time when we wanted to investigate our nervous system. We wanted to know its nature. We wanted to, we 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 wanted to get to the bottom because we were suffering from epilepsy, and we knew that it was a neuropsychological disorder. And we figured that, and one of the things that would trigger seizures in us is that if we had too many stimulants or uh, what are called excitotoxins. And so, we meditated and we focused our consciousness until we entered our nervous system. It's the only way we can describe it. We became our nervous system. We experienced what it was like to be a nervous system. Now, there was no forensic analysis involved. No intellectualization, no piecing together the, 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 the puzzle or anything else. It was just literally being our nervous system. Because most of the time, we take, it, we take such things for granted. But we can do this with every single organ in our body. We can penetrate it with our consciousness to the point where we are it. We are experiencing what it's like to be that. And I was experiencing what it was like to be our nervous system and what it was experiencing, we were experiencing in a way that we had never experienced it before. Of course, because we had never done conscious investigation of that phenomenon before, the way we did it. And this is something that, you know, you can read every textbook that's ever been written about the human nervous system, the central nervous system, and what it does and how it works and everything else. And you will never arrive at the knowledge that we gleaned in just a few moments of being one with our nervous system.
It's in the same way that you can read every book ever written about love and know less than you would by falling in love once and and being in love for five minutes. Falling in love with someone and having that person you fell in love with suddenly hit by a car. And you only love you were only in love with them for five minutes. And you would know more about love than every psychologist and every philosopher and every scientist that has ever tried to explain what love is. And even every poet who has tried to explain what love is. So that's the you know, if we can if we're if we're that's the difference between um, taking a deterministic approach versus a a, uh, uh, a being approach. But Stuart follows up and he does say, yes, it makes sense. He says, it reminds me of a talk uh, in Carlos Castaneda's book. We've heard lots of good things about uh, Castaneda. Uh, we can't say we've read ever read any of his books, though. Benjamin says, it appears we, we, that we are trapped within the confines of the matter and and determinism matrix. And this is because we have been conditioned to live within it since our birth. To break free from this cycle, we must become naturally intelligent and tap into the knowledge of our higher self, which will help us understand the truth and attain freedom. However, it is challenging to liberate ourselves since we need to work for a living, which requires living in this matrix of illusion. What's in what's um that's a good point, Benjamin, about but remember remember that <clears throat> there is a way of being in the world, but not of the world. There's a way to play the game without becoming obsessed with the game. There's a way to make a living knowing that you're just playing the role and going through the motions required to make that living for those practical reasons. And that really is the key. Because we too often hear people making excuses for why they can't follow their the will of their being or they can't do this or they can't do that or they can't follow their dreams or their passions or whatever because they have to make a living. And that's not the way this works <clears throat> because of course you will have reasons and rationales and 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 excuses not to be and those excuses will seem like they make a lot of sense and they're very rational that they're very practical and that's all very very deterministic but remember that the root word of deterministic is, de is to deter, to deter you from being. So if you surrender, if you give yourself to your being and you follow the guidance of your being and you take the encouragement and you, you, you buck up and you find the courage within yourself, to follow the will of your being, 
you will not be forsaken. <clears throat> it's no guarantee you're going to be living in the lap of luxury. It's no guarantee you're going to have, you know, tons of material success or all the trappings of a successful worldly existence. But you will not be forsaken. And you will be ultimately far more fulfilled because you will be fulfilling your purpose for being. And if you fulfill your mission in life, you will experience fulfillment. And then nothing else of any kind of worldly concerns will even register on your radar anymore. It just won't be, it just, things will just take care of themselves and you won't even care about that anymore. Because all you will care about at that point is being. And then you will be on the road to liberating yourself from all conditioning. And you will no longer be an effect. You will, you will be achieving union, yug, relegare, with the cause. With, you will because. You will do things because. To be the cause. To be a cause. To be a part of the cause. Surely we think that's one of the reasons uh, why the woke activists stole this concept of having a cause and supporting a cause. Because the one cause we should all be a part of is our being, so that we can do. Why? Because. So we can live a certain way. Why? Because. Because. And every time that we've done this and answered questions from friends or family or whatever in this way, it drove them absolutely nuts because they were asking the question from a place of fear. Because the ego cannot accept that answer because. Have you ever tried writing that answer on a test? Doesn't get you very far in the annals of schooling and the annals of the intellect. The intellect will not, cannot accept that answer, but that is the ultimate answer. Why? Because. Because. There is no reason. There is no rationale. But to be, it is what it is. I am that I am. The creator creates. It is the will of God for this thing of beauty and truth and light to come into the world. But in order for it to do so, it needs a mortal vehicle and vessel to cooperate, to, to, to bring it into form, right? The formless being must have a vessel of form to fashion and inform the world, to bring it into form. That's what in our video on uh, the... Um, the human condition solved, we talk about um, a Theodore tugboat. And if we liken our innermost being as one of these mega super cargo ships, or these mega tankers, that's bringing in a whole uh, a plethora of gifts from the wide open sea, that's all well and good, but a tanker cannot come into port on its own. It can't. It cannot. It requires a little wee little tugboat 
to nudge it and pull it and pull and 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 coax it and position it into port so it can finally unload and offload its gifts its cargo to the port that it brought from overseas our being has within us all of these gifts all of these things to give to the world but it needs theodore theodore means gift of god dore gift and theos god theodore unless we serve as theodore tugboat to our innermost super tanker all that precious cargo is going to be sitting offshore and a uh, and a and a and a humanity in desperate need of the gifts of god are going to be you know are 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 going to be left wanting Mugaboo says, don't you think that as we do the inner work, we also have a duty to act in the physical world, defend and represent our principles? Well, yes, absolutely. You have a duty to act in the world exactly as we described. You have a duty to your innermost being to do what you need to do in the world to serve God. In terms of defending and representing your principles, Your innermost being doesn't need uh, doesn't necessarily need us to do that. Our innermost being isn't need isn't in need of a defense of the truth. Doesn't we don't um, accept when there are others who are spreading falsehood. And we have an opportunity to, to shed light where otherwise there is darkness. But even then, we have to be, you know, we have to be mindful of not casting pearls before swine. There's a lot of considerations that come into play. The article that um, we would recommend in light of this comment, Mugaboo, is our article on... Um, entitled uh to herd or not or oh what's it called it's to herd or not to herd here we'll throw it in the comments it's uh this article And uh, the reason we say that here, it's this article here. That's the, the graphic that goes with the, the article. This article addresses this question. Uh, do you think that as we do the inner work, we also have a duty to act in the physical world and defend and represent our principles. This article really answers this question because the, the question you are asking 
you've answered the question just by asking it. It's in the language. It's in the question itself. You've answered your own question. It's right when you said, do we have a duty to act in the physical world? And yes, you have a duty to act in the physical world. That's your duty. So do your duty. As for the rest, you know, defend and represent our principles. Well, number one, they're not your principles. They're principles that you receive from your innermost being and your divine mother. And you only defend and represent those principles when you are told to do so, when it is your duty to do so. So do your duty. And you will know when to do so and when not to do so, when it's not necessary. Because remember, your Divine Mother and your innermost being, God cannot be offended. God cannot have his feelings hurt. Your innermost being doesn't give, doesn't care what other people think. And your Divine Mother cannot be harmed by anybody else. So this notion that you have to leap to the defense of your higher self and, your, and their principles that are timeless and universal they were timeless universal principles which existed long before you were born and they are going to persist and endure long after you've shuffled off this mortal coil. This, uh, this image that you see here, this image is very powerful image that's explained in the article but it's one that we really should take to heart and recognize our place in the order of things. And when we do so, then it's as you said, we do, do your duty. And all these answers, all these questions will take care of themselves. Just do your duty. Just serve your master. Serve your master. And everything will take care of itself. Every, uh, the rest will take care of itself. The rest will fall into place. Uh, Stuart says, this quote came to mind and maybe adds to Benjamin's comments. No rational assumptions should interfere with my action. The dreaming body and the barrier of perception are positions of the assemblage point. Knowing this is as vital as reading and writing. The dreaming body and the barrier of perception are positions of the assemblage point. That's an interesting uh, turn of phrase there. The dreaming body, yes, and the barrier of perception, okay, are positions of the assemblage point. So we see what you're saying here. So they're the limitations of the form itself, the the what's what's being brought into formation is going to be defined to some degree by the limits of our perception and by the level to which we are still dreaming and that and so the first part um is the most important part of this quote is no rational assumptions should interfere with our action when we say action 
we must recognize here that that action is flowing from being. It's the being impulse to act. So, <clears throat> but you're right. You should never second guess your intuition. You should never second guess the being impulse. Because the second part is, or the, our rational assumptions or our beliefs, in other words, and our biases and our subjective nature, uh, that's a, a, the conditioning of the dreaming body and the barriers of our, of our limited perception as a mortal being, as a mortal vessel, are the anchors, the, the limits or the parameters that affect what he calls here the assemblage point which are the parameters defining the formation of our of the being impulse to act, act. so our action is coming into form in the world and it's defined by these limitations we cannot apply those limitations to the action else what is an objective action becomes a subjective one what was a pure action of being becomes an impure defiled and in many ways defined belief and a subjective action of the false self these rational assumptions impose their beliefs and habits and conditioning onto what should be a pure act flowing through us from our innermost being. Benjamin says, thank you for the guidance you provided today. What you taught was truly insightful and relevant to my life. The most significant thing I had learned was that determinism is the act of deterring our true selves and that the word because implies causation. I appreciate your work and may God bless you. Well, thank you, Benjamin, for joining us as always. And uh, we're glad that you got some benefit out of today's, uh, which ultimately could have ended up being a very abstract, very philosophical um, talk. Again, all we had was the kernel of truth with us that we came in today. All the details flowed out from that. So we're glad that it ended up being uh, practical for you all. As Azel says, that's a good question to answer. Are you working for money or are you working just because? <laughs> and he follows that up. He says, it's one thing to work because you need or want money and working just because. You know, there can be a cause. Uh, there can be a, what we would call a reason to say just because. To, to be means to be fulfilled. But we can't, we cannot, if we, if we just take a trite intellectual understanding of to be, then to say to work just because, it's, it sounds like it's a uh, throwaway line. Oh, you know, I've got, I've got, I'm, I'm, I got nothing better to do. I'm doing this ah because you know, just because I got nothing better to do, right? It's like that word because has become so diminished, so it's been stripped of all of its power and meaning and depth. 
But that word be, put the word to in front of it, to be or not to be. Go and read that soliloquy over and over and over and over against until it's burned into your consciousness. It is the most powerful human expression ever written down in words. <laughs> it's and and so and so when you do something just because, and again, this word just. You know what the word just really means? It's the root word of justice. It means right. It means right to do to if to say I'm working just because it means I am working right to be the cause. To be the right cause on the right cause of being. This is what just because means. But but in modern language, the way everybody uses, oh, it's just because it doesn't mean anything. It's 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 nihilism. Not it's it's just because it's it's, it's turned into this this nihilistic throwaway phrase, which is exactly the polar opposite of its true meaning. To be on the right, to be a to be the right hand of God, which by the way, if you've read this article. You will know somewhere in here. Maybe it's or is it in is it in this article or is it in another article? Somewhere in here, we should have. Maybe it's not this uh, this article, but we have uh, the um, the image of being um, the the sword or the the right on the right hand of God be the gauntlet on the right hand or to be the sword in God's hand or to be the the loyal uh, uh sheepdog at his side or to be the the shepherd's crook these are the tools the shepherd's crook and the sheepdog are the tools of the shepherd and they are on the right you know to be on the lord's right hand right to be the son of god sits on the right hand of god he is the christified he's the christ and to be like the right hand, like you know that expression, right hand man. It means it's like to be the servant, to be the second in command, to be number one in Star Trek, right? To be Spock to Kirk or, you know, there's so many different examples of this in, in, in literature, in scripture, in mythology, to be the right hand man of God, to be the right hand the loyal, faithful servant of God, to be on the right, in the right, and to be just, to be just, to be fair, to be honest, sincere, righteous, and to be the cause of that justice, to be the cause of that righteousness, to be the cause of that truth, light, and love, to work just because we people ask us you know my father for one do you make any money doing these live streams say no where i'm not monetized i don't ask people to donate i don't make a penny off of this my my father just shakes his head then why in heaven's name would you be doing that any of this stuff but i admit i admit 
yes, it's its own reward. And I would do it no matter what. But we will readily admit to you that this week, someone approached us. Well, we approached them first because they posted something and we had to correct something about what they posted. And uh, we had to shed some light on on the uh, internal hypocrisy of the thing that they posted and the and the error that that was being expressed in the meme that they posted. And we ended up in an exchange. We shared with this individual our website and our YouTube channel and so on. And a little while later, this individual came back and sent us a message, a very, very heartfelt message, personally thanking us for sharing with them our work and how special and meaningful it is. And, and they've and they've gone on to watch and listen to a number of our our live streams from the past. And they went and they put, posted comments saying how thankful they were and how valuable it was and so on and so forth. I have to be completely honest with you. Okay? We get tremendous fulfillment when we hear that kind of feedback. We, we, it, it is, it, we cannot express how meaningful and how special it is to, to, and how rewarding it is to know that we are helping others. And that's why we do this. That's why we do it. Yeah, just because. Because of that. Because it's right. Because it's just. Because we're bringing justice into the world. We are, and we are, and I am a part of that process. Together, we are the cause. This mortal self, this mortal body and personality who was born with the name Attila and my innermost being Atlas and who is just a spark, an essence, and a seed of Alux, who is the fire of fire, the light of lights, and the being of beings. And together we do this just be cause. Absolutely. And there's nothing more fulfilling for us in this world, in this life. Nothing can come close than, than doing this just because. <laughs> and uh, Mugaboo said... Uh, Earlier, he said he said he got it. He uh, he got what we're saying. And as Azil says, if you translate directly from Swedish, it becomes only because. Well, really, what else matters, right? To be faithful. To be faithful, to your mortal beloved. It means you know them intimately you are loyal to them and you know them intimately in the biblical sense 
to the exclusion of all others, which means you know them and only them. You are betrothed. You are bonded. You are connected. You are, you are united with your mortal beloved. That's what marriage is and that's what it means to be faithful to your spouse. Because you, you know them in a way that you don't know anyone else. Right? That's what it means to be faithful to your spouse. I only have eyes for you, you would say to your wife. Right? That's how the song goes. I've only got eyes for you. So, why would it be any different for the question of being faithful to your immortal beloved, your true self, your higher self, your innermost being? To know your immortal beloved intimately, consciously, and only your immortal beloved? Do you know that way? And do you serve that way? With that level of loyalty and intimacy and intimate knowledge and faith and trust and dedication and devotion? This is what it means to have no other gods before me. You serve your innermost God, your innermost essence of God to the exclusion of all others, then you have true faith. Then you are truly faithful to your immortal beloved. And we mention all of this because Azazel brings up the Swedish translation that just because is only because. I only serve my innermost being who is the cause of all I do in the world that has have valid and merit and mercy and compassion and love and service to humanity. All of that happens only because I serve. And it happens because I serve only my innermost. Language is powerful. And you see how insidious and how clever and how, how extraordinary uh, such powerful language has been diminished and made frivolous. These throwaway lines. And they've been stripped of all of their potency, their creative potential. Well. Those, those are the forces of determinism. That's the force of mechanical nature, right? The telephone game where a truth goes around the telephone game. By the end, it's a complete falsehood. It has no, it doesn't even resemble the original phrase. Because the law of entropy, you make a copy of 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 a copy. And if you've ever done that using a photocopy machine, you know that every copy is just becoming degradation, 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 degradation. It's law of entropy. 
There's no, because every single copy is another information. And so it's another determination. It's another definition, another defiling, another degradation. And that's why materialism and the, 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 the religion of materialism, materialist science, determinism, mechanicity, it's, this, is the, this is the Black Lodge. This is everything that we are here to overcome, to be a part of it, to experience it, to go through, to come into and experience and go through the, the, the game of it and play the game of it, but not get caught up in it, not get lost in it, not be overwhelmed by it and overcome by it. Not to lose ourselves in it. To, to become overwhelmed by the forces of deterrence. To deter us from who we truly are and why we're truly here. All right, any more uh, questions or comments before we call it a day? Ooh, someone left a, uh, a smiley, happy, ha-ha face. <laughs> Stuart said he found something humorous. Don't know what it was, but anyway. <laughs> um does anyone have any more questions? We'll give you a few moments to uh, type something out. Um, if in case you missed it, we have uh, started uh, to post all of our old uh, live streams. Uh, we've turned them into a podcast. And... Um, We've posted a number of them already to uh, Spotify, but they're also uh, available. Where are we going to find this uh, this graphic now? They're also available on um, Apple Podcasts, on Amazon Music, YouTube Music, and iHeartRadio. So if you get your podcasts, or if you if you have any interest, and we also included them all uh, both as video and audio. So in case you wanted to listen in the car or you wanted to share the live streams with somebody else who hasn't been keeping up or hasn't been watching or whatever, you want to introduce it to them, you can send them to Spotify or any of these other platforms where they get their podcasts. and. Um, if they want to listen in the car or while they're jogging or outside or on their mobile phone, we we converted them into audio as well. So we have the video version and the audio only version because um, there's no reason if you're driving or, or jogging that you should be downloading all that data uh, superfluously. And even though maybe some, if not most of our live streams 
are at times highly visual. Like again, ever since we started doing this whiteboard stuff, it doesn't matter. I think generally speaking, people can still get a hand of what we're talking about because we talk about everything we draw. Very rarely do we just show something and say, just look at this and don't describe, also describe it. So um, it's Atlas information. Again, you can see it on Spotify. We can just pull it up actually if, uh, yeah. Um, hang on, where's, there it is. So there we go right there. Uh, we'll just make Joe Rogan go away here for a second. And um, yeah, so you see we have a number of um, uh, podcasts already on there. That <laughs> season one, episode fifteen shouldn't be there. We will have to we'll have to find out why that's there. But uh, but we, again, we have like seven of them already online. And um, and yeah, so there should be. You say show more and um they will have their see they have the audio only and then you have the regular one so this is how it looks like on spotify but of course your other rss feeds uh will be different um if you use itunes or whatever you whatever you do mugaboo 22 says maybe you have talked about this before i joined but any updates on the book uh the book is I'm, we are currently waiting for um, the last chapter of part two and part three. So um, we basically have one third of the book left to go. Last week, I think we mentioned that we uh, have already edited and approved the edits up to page 270 out of 400. So we have roughly 100, 130 pages to go, roughly. So we're just waiting to get that back from the editors. And then we will, uh, we're expecting to have that on Monday or Tuesday. And then we'll have it all um, approved by the end of the week. And, um, and then we should be well on the way to having the book available by mid to late October, like before the end of the month, before, before Halloween, we expect the book to be available. So, uh, but that's the update. Now that's touch wood. That's assuming no disastrous problems happen between now and then. Um, and the other thing is we also are expecting to, um, have the audio book out as well, because as soon as we have the final, as soon as we have the final, uh, text approved, uh, we're going to start recording it chapter by chapter. So that's the update, Mugaboo. Um, hope that helps. Benjamin says that uh, he already follows us on Amazon Music App. All right, very good. Anyone else have any other uh, nice uh, Mugaboo says, uh, great, Attila, thanks for your service. Thank you, Mugaboo, for being here. And of course, you're welcome. If anybody has any other questions or comments, uh, this is your last call to, uh, to post them. Next week, oh, now, if next week is... 
Okay, so next week is the 8th, so we should be fine for next week. Next Saturday, we have a very large family uh, thing, but it's a, it's on Saturday, so we should be fine for Sunday. But if anything changes, we will let you know in the usual way. But we don't, ex we don't, uh, we don't expect anything to change. We expect to be to go at our usual time here, Sunday, two o'clock, two o'clock Eastern. All right. So if uh, if everyone's good for questions and comments, we want to thank you again for. Um, being with us today and um if uh let us know either in the comments or on facebook or somehow if you guys want us to make these whiteboards available uh we've never tried saving it to a file uh can't remember what episode this is <laughs> season season three episode eight 38 season three episode 38 and it's uh assault on free will okay um so we've been saving these but we haven't saved them into a separate graphic file so we don't know how big they would be uh and stewart says uh yes to available whiteboards we're not even sure where we would put them. What well, I guess can we upload them as a no, I can't upload them as a comment to YouTube. Um, can we upload them as a separate post to YouTube? Or maybe we just put them on Facebook or something, but they're very messy, right? So taken out of context, they're not necessarily useful for anyone just to look at because they're a mess, right? But if you take them in context, they could be useful. So Let's uh, let's see if we can't find a useful or a, or a reasonable place where we can put them, that you guys can gain access to them. And then we'll let you know next week. We'll see if we can't figure out how to use them and where to put them. It may just be that we put them on atlas.info on our blog. Um, that might, might make the most sense. Now, the other thing that we could potentially do um as Stuart asks can they be attached to the relevant video on facebook we might be able to upload it as a comment yeah we might be able to do that and that might make sense um so let's look in, i'll look into it and um and we'll see what we can what we can do where we can put them and then we'll see if we can't um, if we can't put these to good use and make these available to you guys, because uh, like I say, we have um, we have a number of them. right? And we don't we have no idea how big these files would be when we save them. We've never tried saving them to a file. Um, we've never tried sharing them and it looks like we might like we, we might be able to like create a link and share it that way anyway so again we'll we'll look into it and then we'll we'll for sure have an answer for you next week um this is absolutely 
Uh, off for crying out loud. Anyway, we won't worry about that right now. Okay, so listen. Thanks, everybody, for uh, for coming out. And we hope that you'll have a uh, great week. And we uh, look forward to seeing you again next week. Until then, as always, uh, have a great week. And uh, be mindful of everything we talked about. Be mindful of the forces of determinism uh, in your life. And take care, be well, and as always, inverential peace. We'll see you next weekend. God bless everyone. Good night.